We're gonna bring y'all into our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, no Marcus or Maxime today. But the good news is that rejoining us after far too long, a former Los Angeles NBA beat writer, a current Golden State Warriors expert. And a guy who is always my first choice as a guest on this show, Mr. Mark Medina. What's going on, Mark? What's going on, Bram? You don't need to humor me with some falsehoods there. I can't help but read between the lines that a few other people can't make it. Therefore, I'm a choice. Again, Obviously, the third alternative. How many times do we have to go through this? Clearly, you're my first choice. So much so, I was so anxious to say this. This is our second go-around at the Open. If that doesn't prove to you that I was anxious <laughs> to tell you, nothing should, Mark. What else do you want? from here. You're right. I mean, just just as much as it's hard for you to convince me that I'm not the first choice, it's just as much as hard for me to convince you that I didn't deface any murals in LA and all we that. We both know that between now and the last time you were on this pod, you've done nothing but deface as many LeBron murals as you could possibly <laughs> get your hands on. Good news, I know how busy you are, so that's probably only one or two. It is what it is, Mark. we got a lot of things to talk about today, man. Um, in fact, you're kind of the perfect guy. You just finished a Chase Center tour. I have a lot of Warrior stuff, and Los Angeles suddenly finds itself, I'm not going to say the center of the basketball world because that will make me really resentful. They are the center of the basketball world. I just told you I wasn't (laughs) going to say it. We don't have to go that direction. But given your history, you really are the guy we need to talk to today. But before we get there, I want to get back to one of my favorite segments, the Off the Court Report, and it's even more specifically tailored because I know you've got exciting news, man. So... My understanding is that your career is taking off. Fill in the details. Yeah, so um, this is my last week at Bay Area News Group as a Warriors beat writer. It's crazy. I was only here two years. Um, it, it went by pretty quickly, but you know, uh, very eventful. But the reason why I'm leaving is I accepted a job to be with USA Today to be one of their national NBA writers. Now, as a consequence of that, I'm leaving the Bay Area. I'm going back to LA because the Lakers and Clippers are kind of a big deal. But I gotta, I gotta make it clear to you, Bram. I'm still going to be writing about the Warriors. I'm not just writing about one team. They're having me handle a lot of coverage with all the Western Conference teams. So I think it's going to be a, a lot of mix of, you know, beating LA and writing about those two teams, but making some trips back up to San Francisco and Oakland and, and covering some Warriors games, writing some feature stories, as well as other notable teams in the West. But I think it's safe to say it'll be a good starting point to hit on those three teams. We are literally, and I don't want to bury the lead, but we have commissioned a mural out here just to make sure that you'll come back to the Bay because I know how to attract your in particular mural defacing talent. I'll, well, I'll, I'm sure Warrior fans will take care of that for me, right? <laughs> They'll say, hey, you traitor, you went back. I didn't to say I was making a LeBron mural. I think that you're ultimately going to expand your mural to face it, is what I am ultimately saying. But I am bearing the lead. Obviously, congratulations. Thanks, man. man. That is a hell of an opportunity and well-deserved. Are you, are you fired up? I mean, losing the travel but gaining a, a home base like that. All upside? Do you think you'll miss going back and forth to the games? Where does this Well, it, it's mostly upside. It's a no-brainer because USA Today is a national publication. Right. It's a national role. It, it's clearly um, as part of you know your NBA coverage experience from the journalistic realm. It's a step up, and you, I'm able to expand my bandwidth a little bit of not just centering on one team. But, no, I miss the Bay Area, and as much as uh, – 
you know, Warrior fans and Laker fans that might know my history that I used to cover the Lakers as a beat writer, uh, first as a blogger with the LA Times and then a beat writer with the LA Daily News, that I had lived in LA for a while. Yeah, sure. But it's not so much of, oh, I want to get back to LA. I loved living in Oakland. I love the Bay Area. But it wound up being one of these things that with this opportunity, uh, they thought it would make more sense for me to be centrally located in LA because they have two NBA teams that are going to be kind of a big deal. Um, but as far as traveling, I might not be that beat writer that's traveling at every single road game, every single practice, but I'm going to be traveling a good bit of hopping around different Western Conference cities, popping into the Bay Area as well. So it'll be a, maybe a little bit of a reduced travel schedule, but the NBA is always frenetic, always busy. So there'll be a lot of things that can be busy. So this f- Oakland shirt you're currently wearing, that, that's not that's topical. That's a pure coincidence. Just, just coincidence just happened to be what yeah. it is. Different I Oakland, thought the probably. design looked good. <laughs> it is really nice. No, I mean, I, I, I can't. The font really spoke I to mean, me. So. Well, well, on top of that, I don't want you to read into the shirt just like Anthony Davis. Like him, I had the, it's all, that's all, folks. There's, <laughs> there's well. nothing, nothing meaning There's nothing that. in there. No, nothing. no, just a game. My personal assistant laid it out and I just picked up the t-shirt. It's your Monday shirt. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Know, it is what it is. Exactly. We seen you last Monday. Exactly. And please don't read it between the lines with the back of the shirt that gives the middle finger to you. Yeah, you know, and I thought weird that F Bram was on there too. That again, coincidence that coincidence. has nothing. Okay, yeah, it was about another brand. That's again, that's what I thought. All right, well, I'm glad that we we're able to, to hash that out. Honestly, man, selfishly, we'll miss you. I, we still plan on having you on anytime that you'd be willing to join us. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, it'll just be over the phone. But uh, they're lucky to have you. Congratulations. And hopefully a Warriors championship will force you to spend way more time here. In, well, uh, in well, so the here's the thing. like It's all interconnected where you know I covered the Lakers, covered the Warriors. There's still going to be teams that not only – teams that people in LA and the Bay Area care about, but nationally. So I think that's where my role is going to come in to be able to adapt to that as well as expand yeah. my bandwidth. But yeah, like I'm not tied to a specific team. I'm not the Lakers guy, the Clippers guy, the Warriors guy. So it really hinges on how the season progresses. So Bram, to answer your question, the Warriors <laughs> come back to the NBA Finals. Yes, I'll be there. <laughs> so the Kawhi Leonard hat you're wearing is also <laughs> just joking. Joking entirely. I was going to ask you this later on. Let me ask you now. Um, we argued about this over the last podcast. If you had to put down money, something considerable, right? And it's just a guess. What team from California will win a title first? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be the Clippers because you look at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you have those two stars plus a lot of depth. And yeah. you're looking at the Lakers. Yeah, you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. Of course, you're going to have a chance. But I think uh, even if the Lakers did a better job with getting players that fit LeBron's style play better and some more shooters. There's a lot of question marks of the depth. DeMarcus Cousins is already having an injury, and Warriors fans know kind of the the positives and negatives that he went through during his loan season last year. And there's, I think, question marks about LeBron and Anthony Davis and their ability to stay healthy, where you compare and contrast that to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It's not like they're having a clean bill of health. Maybe they go under what we're calling load management right. these days, but relatively speaking, they're entering next season with a much cleaner bill of health than what the Lakers are. We entered into last year, and obviously the way it ended, Toronto proved they need to play the games because having a prohibitive favorite doesn't mean anything until they're actually crowned. But we entered into last year with Golden State being as prohibitive as a prohibitive favorite can be, right? We all just thought it was preordained. When you look at the clips this year, do you view them with that kind of, of no, weight? No, no, yeah. no, no, not at all. I think the theme of this NBA season is now, unlike the last few years, 
it's completely wide open. Yeah. It's the wild, wild west. Anyone has a chance. There's a lot of good teams. I think from the Warriors' end, there's a lot of question marks with how do they adjust without Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala. You know, at least from a veteran leadership standpoint, Sean Livingston, when will Clay Thompson come back? How will he look? How will they mesh, mesh right. all those young guys together? But when you're looking at it from a league aspect, I think that that creates a lot of excitement of, hey, Unlike the last few years, it no longer seems inevitable that the Warriors are going to have a championship parade in Oakland because of all their all-star talent. Um, And also a lot of teams have made moves to put themselves in a position. I mean, I think you're looking at L.A. Of course, uh, there's a strong possibility that the Clippers and the Lakers wind up meeting the Western Conference Finals, but there's a lot of interesting Western Conference teams. I mean, Houston, you always have to give them credit, even if you don't want to personally. (laughs) Uh, Denver and Utah are seen as teams on the rise. Portland always has a fighter's chance with the backcourt they have with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. You know, the Spurs have always made the playoffs since, like, 500 years ago. So it's going to be a fun fun season, to say the least, because of all those teams having some kind of a chance to make some noise. It's going to be one hell of a television show. Yeah. I mean, like, really, baseline, that's what this is. It is reality television. And the upside of reality television, the reason why it is always as successful as it's been in the past, is you don't know how it ends. Yeah. I mean, like, these things have plots that cannot be defined. That hasn't been true over the last few years. Yeah. I mean, we had a surprise with Van Vliet, and I don't want to go too deep into Toronto's win, but... But, but can we just be real here, and I'm sure I'm preaching with a choir, but if Kevin Durant wasn't hurt, if Clay Thompson wasn't hurt, if DeMarcus Cousins wasn't fully (laughs) less than himself, if Andre Iguodala wasn't less than himself, the Warriors would have won this easily. So as much as you talk about, well, it seemed inevitable the Warriors are going to win and then things change, I think the caveat was always, well, assuming they're healthy, and obviously they were not healthy in the NBA Finals. You're 100% right, and I will point out something that really caught my attention yesterday. So I did that Chase Center uh, preview thing yesterday. And because of that, you end up running into Warrior fans you know, and then Warrior fans you don't. But it's like being at a wedding. Like, even though you don't know everybody, because you're there for some shared purpose, you know, some shared idea, you're kind of inclined to have conversations with them. And what stuck out to me yesterday is this period where all of us were, and I'll, I'll keep it personal, at least for me, pretending to be more classy than we uh, actually are, is slowly ending. And that's true for both what you just said, I'll call it asterisk talk, and KD. When it first happened, right, when KD first leaves, everyone's like, fine, he can do anything he want, his decision, I wish him the best, this was great. That period's slowly ending. You talk to enough Warrior fans, and you're starting to sense the bitterness of, I hope he doesn't win in Brooklyn, it was kind of scandalous that he left, and the other portion is what you just said. You talk enough about Toronto to Warrior fans, and they're no longer being like, look, they beat us, no asterisks, it is what it is. Now what you are hearing is, no. Asterix, if we were healthy, wouldn't have happened. So, yeah, dude, you're preaching to the choir, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and you know what's very interesting on top of that is you extend this into the offseason. I mean, entering last season, there was always that thought that people knew that, hey, there's a chance that even with all these title runs, Kevin Durant might leave, right? But if Clay Thompson did not get hurt, how the Warriors constructed their roster this offseason may have been entirely different. Say, KD still leaves. He decides to go to Brooklyn. He's going to play with Kyrie after he recovers from his Achilles injury. But if Clay Thompson was healthy, I think it really would have been possible that they decide, hey, let's bring everyone back together. Let's get Andre Iguodala. He has another year on his contract. He's been playing out of his mind. He looks younger than he really is. Maybe they still would have waived Sean Livingston because he was fighting a lot of injuries, and they want to get some cap relief. But they don't trade Andre Iguodala. All of a sudden, they don't have to suddenly make these moves to you know not be hard capped. So 
Maybe D'Angelo Russell doesn't come here. They're able to sign a, a decent veteran at the uh, at the mid level at five point five million. And when you're looking at everyone, obviously KD is a huge part of yeah. this team, but they still have the the fabric of that team together where they could say, you know what, barring a good, you know, assuming there's a good bill of health, they do have a chance right. to run this back. And here. With Clay being out, and because Andre being a casualty of, of suddenly the Warriors had to having to think in financial terms, now you have Steph and Draymond and a bunch of young guys. It's not a bunch of veterans you got to manage. It's a bunch of young guys that suddenly they got to develop. And I think on one hand, there's a lot of question marks with that, and how much uh, how much can Steph and, and Draymond be healthy, and how much can they afford any kind of absence? How well can they accelerate? the learning curve, but I think all those question marks suddenly add some purpose to a regular season that, frankly, did not matter for one bit these last few years. 100% right. Um, I will continue the TV show analogy, and, and I've, I'm stealing from my own take, so I'm not sure if it counts as stealing, but what I'm excited for is 82 games next year. Last year, I was excited for 16 wins. This year, I want to see all 82 before, hopefully, we get a shot to watch them go through the playoffs. But let me change the question, and let me ask you this, because we were talking about this as well. Publicly, the team's stated goals have to be championship, even if they're not coming out and saying we're going to be in the finals. Like, you know, the, every team's goal supposedly is to actually make and, and win a title. But realistically, that's not true. Memphis isn't going around thinking that they're going to win the title this year. They would have their own internal goals. For the Warriors, you know, it, when, when Bob Myers is looking at this season, when Joe Lacob is considering what they want out of it, what do you think are their, are their internal goals? What would count as a, as a success? I think the success is they make the playoffs, and um, regardless of whatever, whatever seed they are, you still have Steph, Draymond, and Clay healthy. And because of that equity that they have, suddenly maybe they can make some noise. Right. I think that that would be tough if they're an eighth seed because they're likely to either go up against the Clippers or the Lakers. But yeah. say they're a sixth seed. I mean, maybe they can knock down Denver and Utah because right. they're just not, frankly, experienced. And, you know, the playoffs really hinge on how healthy you are and the momentum. And when you're looking at this calendar here, Clay Thompson's expected to come back after the calendar year in 2020, maybe after the All-Star break. But as serious as this injury is, there's a really strong history of guys being able to be their normal selves post-recovery. And aside from this injury, Clay's had a pretty clean bill of health. So I think that there's some optimism from within that all those things align. But there's also a possibility that things fall off the rails before even Clay comes back. Right. You have to look these past two years. Uh, Draymond and, and Steph separately missed double-digit uh, double digit games because of injuries. Sometimes it overlaps, sometimes they were separate. But I would say if either scenario happens this year, things could get ugly pretty quickly because they're going to be even more important. And you have a lot of unknowns of you know, how well can – you know. D'Angelo Russell's expected to be a really good point guard. He, he's rejuvenated himself a little bit in Brooklyn, but how well can he carry that additional scoring sure. punch with Steph, without Steph, without Clay's steady hand? And then you have a lot of other guys in the front court where, honestly, this team could be pretty bad defensively. As much as Draymond Green can cover all five positions – to expect for him to do that every single possession, I think, is asking much. You think they'll play defense next year? That's, well, I think Draymond will play defense <laughs> next year, but I don't know if anyone else will. I mean, Kevon Looney, yeah, he's always there good you. for. 
But you look at this backfield without Clay, Steph and Draymond are or D'Angelo are really going to be tested in that backcourt. And who's going to start at the wing position without Kevin Durant? You have Alfonso McKinney, you have Glenn Robinson the third, and Alec Burks. And I know going in, it's probably going to be by committee and matchups and that sort of thing. And it's almost like college football when you have that you know two-tier quarterback system that means you have no quarterback so they don't have a wing position right now (laughs) so there's a lot of a lot of a strong possibility that if one of those two guys Steph or Draymond or both have injuries there's just too many moving parts and too many things that they have to adjust that it would be too much and all of a sudden they're on a significant losing streak. and they would be willing to I mean hopefully we're never going to see this reality play itself out but if there is some prolonged injury from anybody who means a lot, right? It's certainly for Steph and Draymond, and it looks like it's a lost season, I can see them sitting them out way longer than they need to. Yeah. You know? and, and then in which case, it is what it is. You know, this whole thing gets thrown out, and we'll pick it up next year, right? Yeah, I mean, that I think won't happen until it's very clear, look, it's a lost season. There's no yeah. point in expending the energy for Steph and Draymond when you want to keep them together long term, as well as Clay. But I think going into the season, um, they're of the mind that, hey, you have Steph and Draymond as important as Clay and Kevin is. I would argue that among all those four All Stars, as far as a tandem goes, Steph and Draymond are the most important tandem together because they have the experience together. They have complementary skill sets where it's obvious Steph is the outside shooter, Draymond is the defender, but they're both really good sure. playmakers. Where if you kind of compare that with Clay with Steph or Clay with Durant or Steph with Durant, there's a little bit more of an overlap because Clay and Steph are really good shooters. Steph, Clay, and Durant are really good scorers. Right. Draymond, hey, he might be working on his three. He might be trash talking trash when he's making them. But let's be real. He's not known as a scorer. <laughs> he's a defender. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. He hits the threes when we need him to. Um, I kind of skipped right beyond your Chase Center visit, and I actually really want to get a sense of it. So for you, man, were you impressed? I mean, what do you think? It was today, right? I mean, yeah. we're literally just a couple hours removed. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed because these last few years, I would be taking the Chase Center tour of, hey, how do things look with the construction, and how's it coming along? And they would okay. give you the renderings yeah. of the photos, and it looked great. But it's one thing to see those photos, but then to actually be walking in the arena, walking outside, seeing the views. Uh, I think there's a lot of things to unpack here, and a lot of it's positive, some of it's negative. Let's just get the negative out of the oh, way. Yeah, it's a real shame that they're going to lose a huge identity, the fact that they're in San Francisco as opposed to Oakland. There's a lot of socioeconomic things that, that are attached with that. And, you know, I know the Warriors push back a little bit of, you know, they say, hey, we're we're moving to a new building, we're not leaving the city, and you know the ticket prices were already astronomical during this dynasty, and that's part of the cost of doing business, right? But there is a different feel. When you're viewing these suites, and it looks amazing, and you know the food that's offered, the chef, I mean, you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars to have these things. There's no way anyone in the, with a middle-class income can afford this. Yep. So you're talking the 1% of the 1%. Um, and the traffic, it's going to be a nightmare. I took, I live in Lake Merritt, uh, like outside of Lake Merritt and Ivy Hill. I drove to where the lake or the Warriors used to practice. Um, that's, that was about a 10-minute drive. Took the BART from 12th Street Station to Embarcadero. That was about uh, 25 minutes 
So that's 35 minutes total. Then I transferred to the Muni line. That was another 20 minutes. So you're talking about 50, 55 minute ride. And that's a lot to ask of not even just a writer who's going to be there day to day, like for practice and shoot around, but for fans. Like that takes a lot of time. And Rick Welch, I talked with him today, you know, the, the Warriors uh, guru who's been overseeing this project. Uh, the central subway system has told him and others that it's supposed to be ready by January, but you know how transportation projects go. A lot of times it's not on time. So they're anticipating a lot of pains with traffic. Anyone who drives across the bridge knows how much of a nightmare it is, and it's going to be even worse. But I will say that the way the arena looks, it's amazing. They have all the bells and whistles. The scoreboard is astronomical. Not Before only is we go it, to positives, yeah, yeah. let me add negatives because I'll add parking, man. And th- this is not a new There take. is no parking. Okay, this is not a new take, but I got to try out what they've been suggesting. My wife and I went out, again, this was yesterday. We parked in lot A. That's what they said we should do. Probably half filled in the stadium, right? So this isn't even like a real good run on how that's going to look because we'll have to add in another, I don't know, eight, 9,000 people. But the walk from lot A is not viable. You can walk there, that part, you know, before the game. When I'm pre-gaming, maybe I have a beer in my hand, I can definitely make that three-block walk. The walk afterwards, when it's like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm driving my ass back to the East Bay, the last thing on earth I'm going to want to do is walk up that waterfront back to lot A. It is not a viable walk. It's too long. Yeah. It's a, there's no way around it. And that's one of many reasons why the Warriors have been trying to say, use public transportation, right. use public transportation. But I think the ones who are against this move, including some of the, the local city ho- hospitals and you know people from Oakland, I think their counterpoint will be, well, this is why you shouldn't have done this in the first place. It's going to create a lot of logistical nightmares. But the Warriors are counterpunching to the idea of, uh, no matter how you feel about Oracle, there was a feeling that it, it was running its course. It wasn't greatly maintained. But the larger point is this is a privately financed arena. It was budgeted for a billion. I know that even as of last summer, it was already over budget. So I can only imagine what the final number is now, which they haven't disclosed. And this is all going into their pockets and it's going to help them absorb the luxury taxes, continue to pay players. and in theory, help this you know train moving, where maybe they're not the dynasty of these last five years, but they have a chance to be in that mix. Tell me about amenities. I mean, literally, so you, you have, I would imagine, been inside every NBA arena, right? I mean, by, by virtue of your job, I'm sure you've seen, if not all of them, a large majority of them. So compared to every other NBA arena, top five, top one, I mean, what do you think? Well, I can't fully answer that because I want to see the atmosphere in a game and what it's like, but by the look of it, Building. I think it could be the, it's the best in the, okay, in the that, NBA yeah. now. You know, part of that is because it's the newest one, but you know, there's some elements that remind you a little bit of like the architectural setup of, of Oracle, but also the bells and whistles of what the Kings have with Golden Center One. I think I said that correct, and Staples Center with the Lakers. But there's enough bells and whistles that are unique with the scoreboard, right. all the luxury suites that will cater to the tech people. Um, the fact that public transportation, once some of the initial hiccups are resolved to open, will give the transportation route an easier thing to to handle. And uh, unlike some of the other arenas, it's not your boring, typical chain concessions. It's all local. And I think from a business standpoint, I mean, there's 
this is a whole broader discussion with traffic and just what the price of real estate is going to be out there and you know for better and for worse but i think from a pure retail standpoint the city will benefit from the the increased business now will that benefit the actual people who live there that's up for another discussion but that's completely out not just it's connected to sports but that's a broader discussion of that whole city in general from a just straightforward fan analysis there were things that spoke to me in fact i'll tell you it in a different way and i promise this will will re-relate but years and years and years ago my wife and i traveled to paris and while we were out somebody broke into our hotel room moved my stuff didn't steal my stuff and stole all of my wife's stuff in fact my wife still kind of blames me assumes that i had something to do with it so Next day, we had to go around and pick up all the pieces, right? Like she had lost things like her American Express card. So we're in a cab driven by a Parisian cab driver. That Parisian cab driver almost hits a pedestrian who's running across the street. They have some conversation I can't understand because it's in uh, French. Apparently got really nasty because the person running across the street tries to spit on the cab driver. Cab driver pulls forward. So that guy spits in my window and spits right onto my neck. And it's the most disgusting thing of all time. I tell you this because it made me hate this city. Just hate it. I hated Paris. Hated everyone there. Three years later, I go back. And I want to hate the city. I am ready to bomb it. I'm ready to find the spitter and punish him for his actions. Love the city so much that it, it changed my conception entirely. Here's the analogy. I hate that they're moving to San Francisco, Mark. I hate it. I've been on this show a billion times. When I went yesterday, I was Bram ready to hate Paris. I wanted to hate Chase Center. Now that walk, I got to. I got to express some of my frustrations, you know, and like, yes, what you said, it's crazy glitzy. It is the exact polar opposite of a building that is currently situated in East Oakland. But I couldn't hate it because it is awesome you know like like there are bars each one of the bars you don't watch the game on a tv screen you watch the game because they've situated them where you can actually look down through a through a a glass viewing area you know like they have figured things out this thing is impressive yeah i mean i'll break it down logistically if i'm a tech investor i'm part of the one percent in terms of wealth and i'm in san francisco i'd absolutely love the arena now if i'm someone (laughs) middle class or you know below in Oakland or San Francisco, I wouldn't like it at all. The ticket prices, I mean, they've already been high in Oracle, but it's going to be even higher. You know, some of the officials are saying there are some, you know, better seats economically up in the upper concourse that are going to be as low as $25. But you even, even that's, I think, limited and even account for whatever the parking is and the concessions. I mean, you're going to have to dig deep. And I think if I'm a fan, I would just, think you know what i'm gonna just watch it from home i'd rather save the hassle save the money but from the warriors end i mean they're in a situation where they can charge these prices because they're an audience and they're in a hub where there's so much business these days with all the tech boom and when i was looking at the suites and all the amenities if i'm one of those tech investors this is the ultimate networking event and in a way i think for them it saves them money because they can enjoy and get their basketball fixed, but this is their way to do deals. Makes perfect sense. So it makes perfect sense. When we did the, you know, so they couldn't do the pick your seat day for season ticket holders because the damn thing wasn't built. So they do what they call the chase experience. They brought holders in and then they showed what it was going to look like if you sat in your seat. This was about a year ago. And when they brought us in, the 
ticket rep just candidly mentioned that the last person she had was the CEO from Netflix. And when she did that visit, they talked about knocking down a wall between two suites so that they could enjoy two suites together. And what they were communicating without trying to is, we don't care about your guys' money at all. You know, like, this is for the big boys. You know, like, we'll do this because you've already had the tickets for a while, but it's it's backing exactly what you're saying. Well, what's interesting is Rick Welts was saying that um, they had a 70% renewal rate of last season ticket holders. Huh at Oracle Arena for next season, and that's with a 10 to 15 year commitment, I believe. And so, yeah, 70% is the majority, but I can't help but wonder, would that number had gone up even more if they didn't lose, well, maybe if they didn't lose in the finals, but if Kevin Durant was still around, Andre Woodall was still around, Clay Thompson didn't have question marks of when he'll come back. The interesting irony out of all this is when the Warriors built this arena, um, obviously, it was before the dynasty happened, but once they started getting up and running, they were of the mind of, hey, the debut will coincide with them continuing to win titles and be in the mix. And now you flip it. They're opening this glitzy building and wanting to have buzz, but right now it's a team that just has a lot of question marks. It's a young team. They still have Steph and Draymond, and you know they made some gestures with, you know, Honoring the past, where they had all these portraits of the other guys with, with um, you know, with Clay and Duran and Iguodala, they're going to have like a Warriors Walk of Fame to honor some of the past Warrior luminaries. I'm sure they'll have statues of different guys at some point. I mean, Joe Lacob had said, you know, with once Kevin Durant left and when they wound up trading Andre Iguodala, that their jerseys are going to be up in the Raptors at some point. I they're retiring them, but. This is a weird season open. Uh, if they opened where it was last year, hey, they have four all-stars and they're expected to win the title, I think that that season ticket renewal rate probably would have been higher. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with that more. I don't think that was an accident. I think the reason they did a pick-your-seat day when there weren't seats to pick is one word, capitalism. They sold, and We put a down payment on a Tesla and ended up with a Prius, but they were allowed to do that because they already had the damn thing built, right? It was what it was. But I tell you what. I have so many prediction questions for you, and I've already kind of ventured into a couple of them. Let's go uh, quick question and answer, all right? All right I'm going to throw something out. Rapid fire? Rapid fire. See what it is that first comes to mind. Here's my first one for you. First statue at Chase. Ooh, that's good. Um, I think Al Adels. Um, I think that they're going to do that because he's – going to be in the hall of fame in a few weeks and um you know knock on wood you hope he continues to fight the good fight but you know uh, there's no way around it he hasn't had a good bill of health in recent years he hasn't been at warriors games as often as he had been in past seasons and i could see i mean he was he was that coach he was a player and uh he's a well-liked ambassador i think that they would do that as far as who would be uh, the first with this group Steph. It would be Steph, yeah. but like they would have to wait till For he's him retired. To retire. Yeah, right, right. So it's gonna be interesting. Like which uh, the luminaries will be first. Yeah, um, but the because I the reason I agree with you is that I think they're probably anxious to put up a statue in the next four or five years. I think they just want to. If I was a billionaire who had built a stadium for no good reason, I would want a statue out front, like putting candles on a birthday cake kind of thing. But because of what you just described, it should be Steph, but it can't be. You know, he's still playing. Yeah. And they can't be any of these dudes who are currently playing, and it can't be Wilt because we don't really have that kind of a connection with him. And it seems like Rick Barry pisses people off. So I, I do. I think it will be Al, Al 
medals at this yeah. stage. But uh, yeah, I think we'll be allies. But I think Rick Barry will get a statue. I think. Uh, I think, um, yeah, run TMC will get a statue. So point. you look yeah. at Chris Mullins and Tim Hardaway and, um, you know, Mitch Richmond, maybe Sleepy Floyd, right? I love like, this. All, like all the run. Let's all get the, like 20 of them out there. I want like Jay Rich. Let's <laughs> run Tigo Cummins. Let's just you know, put them all I out think there. they'll draw the line at Joe, <laughs> Jay Rich. But I think Al Adels, the members of the 75 NBA title team, the run TMC, they'll all get a statue I want before, I want Brian before Cardinal, the dynasty Todd players. Fuller, get let's go. Yuri Welsh. I want all the losers from times past. Here's my next one for you, man. Uh, will Steve Kerr ever be named Coach of the Year again? You know, I think he could be because there's a chance that this team winds up being one of those underdog teams where it was almost the feeling like they had during this the early run. I mean, pre-Steve Kerr, but also that first year when they won the title where they were a likable team. You know, they it was strength in numbers, and Steph is such a great team guy as well as Clay and, and Draymond and Iwadawa, and it was new. Um, they didn't have Kevin Durant right. yet, where which that move pissed the entire league off, right? Um, so I think the thing with Steve is he's been a great coach, and it's no coincidence they started winning titles when he was there. But he's gotten the same level of scrutiny that Phil Jackson once did right. when he was coaching the Bulls and the Lakers. With oh yeah, such great players, and there's no question. I mean, it's very unique for a coach to inherit that much future Hall of Fame talent. Sure. But there's something to be said about how you manage the egos, the personalities, exactly right. or playing time. But here, I think that. There's a lot of appreciation from fans and with coaches with how they inherit a tough set of circumstances of young guys and a lot of question marks. And I think Steve has it in him uh, to make this a success story. And I know when I talked with him at Team USA camp and talked with others around the uh, around that coaching staff, he seems invigorated huh. more with what he has as opposed to lamenting what the team doesn't have is he so you've had two years to kind of figure out both what coach Kerr is saying and then what he actually means when he speaks when he said that right is he just saying well, this is the, my word this is my impression to, to be fair but you, you know again i want you to lean on the skill set you've developed over many years of doing this job you can i mean who knows it is only your interpretation but when he said that when he's talking about how excited he is to kind of reshape what the organization is was it just coach speak, or did you get the feeling like, no, this is another opportunity where you can show who the hell he is? Well, I don't think it was under the cliche of uh, coach speak, and it certainly wasn't of, oh, you know, it's such a relief that we don't have to handle the drama with Kevin Durant's free agency or anything else. Let's be clear. The NBA and the coaches and the players, they want to win. So whatever BS and personality conflicts and drama that comes with it, if you're winning, who cares, yeah. right? But I think where Steve feels invigorated is he's always had this kind of like overachieving underdog and winner's mindset from his role-playing career yeah. where he always felt like he has to prove himself and he has to scrap. And so when it's talking about feeling invigorated, I think he's feeling that way because it's this challenge yeah. that he wants to prove that he can handle pretty well. That makes a lot of sense. And and just from a personal standpoint, you got to imagine these last couple of years were all downside, no up, which is a weird way to put it, but they were expected to win. There was no other possibility. Should they not win the title, it was a failed season. This year, expectations are remarkably low. Yeah, and that kind of evolved. I think the first year, it was the newness of it. They right. weren't expected to win, and then they, and then they won. You have that elation. The following year, because they were you know, just breaking so many records, Stephen Clay and eventually breaking the NBA regular season record that the Bulls once had in the 90s, in 95-96, that was 
a joyful atmosphere. But then once they got Kevin Durant, I think everything changed because suddenly they're the villain. They're expected to win. That first year with Kevin Durant, it kept things interesting because of they, they had the ultimate first world challenge of you have this amazing talent, but how do you integrate all the parts where you maximize everyone's strengths, you're able to get everyone to sacrifice where they need to sacrifice, but third, without none of the parties feeling like sure. they're being supplemented in any way. So that kept them invigorated, but that last championship in 2018 and this past season, it definitely had that feeling of what a lot of other championship yeah. teams go through where they're fighting the hangover, they're fighting complacency, they're fighting the urge of not being annoyed with each other all the time. And that wears its course. It's They're human beings at the end of the day. So I think they'd rather be in those positions because they were still winning. But I think that freshness will help keep them engaged during the regular season and, and maybe create a little bit more of a joyful atmosphere day to day because of all the other reasons I outlined. What seed? What do they end up? Seed. I think they're going to be six. Uh-huh. Um, I think they're going to have some challenges. I think Steph and Draymond will have to miss some games, whether it's because of minor injuries or just being smart. Um, but I, I think that Clay is going to come back and be his normal self. But the problem is he's not going to come back until some point in February. I think D'Angelo is going to be great offensively. I think he's going to be tested defensively. I think Kevon Looney is going to grow into his role as well as Willie Cauley-Stein. But defensively, there's a lot of challenges. And the young guys, I think Eric Pascal can hold his own because of his time being at Villanova for four years. And his value doesn't hinge on scoring. But I think that Jordan Poole, he's going to you know go through some struggles with how consistent his shot might be. And Alan Smilogic just – he's raw. He needs more time to develop in the G League. So I think there'll be six – they could win the first round, depending on who the matchup is, but I think they're going to overachieve and they'll wind up getting the second round at best. More than anything, I want to see him play Houston, and the reason I want to see him play Houston that first round is I want to watch Houston crowds, collective assholes, slowly <laughs> tighten when they see Steph come back into that door. When when they think that they're fine and then realize, no, wait a minute, it's kind does, of the same does team. Does part of the joy of that uh, diminish at all that Chris Paul's not there anymore? Is it because still you have James Harden, you have Daryl Morey's analytics reports, and okay. Mike Dinsen? So as of, right, yeah, as of right now, yes. The joy is definitely diminished. I hated Chris Paul in a way that will be hard for me to explain to you in this microphone. But I also know that once I just see Harden's beard, like that's all it will require. You just, you just want to yank During it. warm-ups, just whatever it is, I'm, either I'm in person or on TV, whatever it is, the second I see that filthy beard, I will have forgotten about Chris Paul and be all the way So you just it. like Harden more than Chris or equal? How do you break that down? It's like you asking me which piece of shit pile of dog shit smells the worst. <laughs> and I, like, I, I am positive that there is an answer, but it'd be really hard for me to like dig in there and give you that answer. So unfortunately, I cannot tell you, but I can ask you this next one, man. Um, and I'm, it's unfair because it's so early, but what I want you to do is give me our final four. All right. So we, we now fast forward. We're going into June of what, 2020. Yeah. Who will be the East Coast Finals and the West Coast Finals? Did you promise not to throw me out that window? <laughs> no, not at all. And we're not, no one's listening. Don't worry. We're not even recording. These mics aren't on. Yeah. Warrior <laughs> fans aren't listening. Don't you They're not going to hold it against me when it has to be the so just keep that in mind. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, it's going to be an LA Western Conference Finals. So 
I'm sorry to hear. I'm sorry to break that news to you. <laughs> I wish I could fight because then we'd fight right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can take me, so I'm not going there to. You go. But know that I'm thinking about fighting you. Just there you have go. that be floating. I'm thinking about defending myself. Yeah, you bastard. All right, well then, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, in the East, I think the Celtics. Uh, you know, they lose Kyrie Irving, but. Um, there could be an element of addition by subtraction there because, I mean, he just had so much drama. There wasn't that fit. The young guys felt more comfortable there. And, hey, they get Kemba Walker. He's a good player. And they're all playing with one another. Yeah, of them. and I think I think the Bucks will get back. I mean, they had a tough go-around against Toronto. But I think when I was seeing Giannis struggle there, it felt like the typical rite of passage that young players go through that first significant playoff run where he's not the same player, he's going to learn from that, and then that will be the source okay. of motivation next season, next playoffs. Yeah, won't that be true for Montrezl Harrell? Like, so the, the one reason yeah, but I, you can't compare him to Giannis. But he's going to be playing a major role. I mean, the, there's going to be a lot of people. So so I, I think what you just said is on the money, and I probably back most of the teams you were saying. But if I was going to fight back on the idea that the Clips are the prohibitive favorite going forward, it's the idea that in the NBA you have to do it before you win it. You know, like Pat Beverly is going to play a giant role, but he's never done anything really in the finals. Montrezl Harrell is going to play a giant role, but he's never even sniffed a finals. And, and, and that's why teams like Houston, like Golden Have State, like shot. Denver, they're yeah. thinking, and Portland, hey, you know what? The currency in the yeah. NBA isn't just about getting the star players and taking advantage of player movement free agency. It's about continuity yep. to be able to withstand some of those learning adjustments that these newly constructed yep. teams will inevitably go through. And also because they're battle-tested. They know collectively as a unit what it takes to go through it. Now, when you're looking at the Clippers and Lakers specifically, all those players have been battle-tested, but they haven't been battle-tested yep. together. Yep. So how do you put all those mm -hmm. things? And you know what? It, it's fair questions, yep. but I think – because of all the talent they have, all the depth, it's still going to be an L.A. showdown. I'd like to edit this part out, but you know who will know how to get them ready for those battle tests? Doc Rivers. Yeah. You know, if you were going to handpick a coach, you could probably give them a sense of what to do and what to expect. It would be him. This is depressing me. Let me just ask the next question then. Who's in the finals? Who wins? Oh, I think it's going to be the Clippers against the Celtics. Okay. And, yeah, it's the Clips. Uh it's going to be interesting because... God, the league would love that. An, a, a well, they would LA, love that. Austin, they would love the Lakers sure. win. Just, I mean, either yeah. Dual Coast getting to revive the, you know, their probable favorite finals. Well, here's the thing. I think that the NBA, they liked that the Warriors were always in the spotlight. But I think that if you gave people in the league office some truth serum, they wanted more parity. They wanted smaller markets to feel like they were in the mix. They wanted to feel like other teams had a shot. So... They'll be happy regardless as long as it's competitive. But also I think that they do want some of those engaging personality star players to be part of that. And really that can be anyone in the NBA. Yep. No, they've, they've got and, – and I understand that I'm overusing this, but – the best television shows on earth are ones you have no way of telling what could possibly happen. That, that I mean, I understand that there are favorites, but again, that's what it's looking like this year. Yeah. Really could play in a thousand different ways. And you know what? Like, even when it seemed preordained, hey, the Warriors are going to win, they're going to sleepwalk, which wound up not happening this season anyway, but there was still a lot of interest from the fans, from media, just all the personalities, all the free agency speculation. And there's no doubt that that helps the league, but I think when you talk to people around the league and you know some players, I think there was some frustration that there seemed to be more attention paid to that as opposed to the games. Right. And the reality is, as well as the league is off right now, 
There is a slippery slope with the cord cutting trend and who knows what the next TV deal will be of do we want to be a a league that's just known for the transaction news and things that people follow on Twitter. What will make them even more money is if people tune into the games. So I think that's going to be the driving force and the number one indicator of the strength of the league. Do people care about the games? And the fact that it's wide open this year, I think that's more of a reason for people to tune in. Makes perfect sense. Final question. I don't want to call it a trick question, but it's not. And it's also rehashed material. I'll admit to you that I've done this with a few people, but I'm all fired up about the question. And I'm not big on having to come up with new material every time, Mark. So it is what it is. Here's my question for you. It's an opportunity. You get to pick out any member of the NBA from any era. And I mean any. You know, it could be front office. It could be a commissioner. It could be a player. Anything you want. You get to ask them a question of your choosing, and that person has to answer it honestly. Even if they don't want to, for whatever reason, the truth will come out of them. Who would you ask and what would you want to know? Ooh. You know, you, I, wanted, I wanted to ask some of the ones that you had about you know, Michael Jordan, what's the real story behind the retirement, the frozen envelope conspiracy involving Patrick Ewing, but I want to be unique here. This has been a running joke that I had with some of the Spurs writers of like the questions you would ask Greg Popovich, the Spurs coach, because he already is, you know, gets pretty annoyed with reporters and their inane questions or even ones that are intelligently asked. But I think it would be very interesting for Pop to answer this question because of his background of, you know, being in the Soviet Union and working in intelligence and being a a military guy. I would love to ask Pop, have you ever killed a person? If so, how? <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe the best question we've had so far. I mean, well, what do you think the answer to that I would think be? Yes. And, how, and what I do you think he did? His bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. And like that probably doesn't even mean like strangling. You know, like something like we have never even thought about. But it's something amazing. That is a phenomenal question. Have you ever been popped? Have you ever like asked him a question that he just punked you on? Yeah, I've never been popped, but I was at USA uh, a few weeks ago in Vegas because I was there to mainly catch up with Steve Kerr because he's one of the assistants sure. uh, under Popovich. But um, I was really wanting to explore the idea that the Warriors have talked about even before this championship run came to an end of the idea of as impressive as this run has been, how did they do what the Spurs did where they were able to win sure through 20 years and also make the playoffs every single year. Or maybe they're not always the prohibitive favorite, but they always have a chance to win it. And that became even more of a conversation piece among people with the Warriors after Kevin Durant left and they made all these changes of, okay, now the goal is about trying to maintain continuity, make Steph, Clay, and Draymond the equivalent of what Duncan and Ginobili and Parker were and just – have that culture and get good role players. So Pop wasn't in a mood to chat the second day because he felt like I already talked yesterday. What else is there to add? And I presented the question to Pop of, you know, Steve has talked about because of all the changes that the Warriors made that there is an even added importance of wanting to emulate what you guys have done with having a lot of corporate knowledge and stability to get through transition periods. So I asked him specifically, what what do you think that did to ease whatever adjustments that you had to make, you know, during your time with adapting to personnel and all that? And he just gave me this blank look, and he's like, I just want to coach basketball. I don't want to get into a philosophical discussion or think. Like, I just can't think right now. So, like, 
The way he answered that is he at least gave and conceded that it was an intelligent question, but he just didn't want to answer it. Do you get nervous? Like, if it was me, because I know who Popovich is, every time there was, like, a couple of seconds hanging, right, and he hadn't answered yet, I would secretly be thinking, please don't destroy me, please don't destroy me. So I don't get nervous because, unlike maybe this person in the Soviet Union, he's not going to kill me, right? (laughs) But... Well, you don't know that for sure. But... I often think, okay, how do you word this question intelligently, open-ended, that he'll give you a good answer? And, you know, not even just with Pop. I often personally think that with other people, too. But a lot of times, once you develop a relationship, you have your comfort level, like, you don't have to overthink it so much. With Pop... I definitely think, okay, how do I word this the best? But there's not this fear of, oh, I, I hope he doesn't yell at me. You know, like, well, it's you, like, whatever. You probably don't wear your Oakland shirt for that one. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, you course. make sure that you're wearing the... Uh, of course. <laughs> Mark, you are awesome. You've always been awesome. Today was no exception. Uh, give us a sense, man. So... I am positive that people are going to want to pick up as many takes of yours both now and then into the future as you move on to USA Today. Where can they go? Well, go to the USA Today website. I'm, I'm still going to be the same Twitter handle, Mark G underscore Medina. And, um, yeah, I'll probably be on the airwaves locally at 95.7 because I know that they love to talk Warriors. They love to talk NBA. So I'll be a contributor there. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, I, I got to make it clear that – I might not be on the day-to-day Warriors beat, and I'm going to be writing about other teams, but please don't unfollow my Twitter account. I'm going to be <laughs> writing a lot of Warriors things. It's just through a different prism where, hey, I'm writing about the Western Conference. I'm writing about the big things. So I have to worry about it. You are a friend of the huddle, my friend. Yes, going- I will be at Chase Center a lot this season. You are season. going nowhere. You continue to be a friend of this podcast, which means you are in our life forever. So don't you worry about that for us. If you want to let me know I was terrible today, could ask better questions, whatever it is, we can be hit at warriorshuddle at gmail.com. Will do. <laughs> Looked like you had something a little bit more. Well, I, uh, I saw a Twitter question that someone asked, how do I have such a deep, deep voice? voice? I, I, I loved about, that. I, I loved it. It was you, amazing. It was going to make you too happy, so I decided to it. It was amazing. Go ahead, Mark. How do you have such I, a deep honestly, voice? Honestly, I don't have an answer to it because it's not like any kind of regional dialect. I grew up in Pennsylvania. My parents and my brothers don't talk like that. It's very unique. And not to get too deep into the personal life. He's speaking life, into a bullhorn, ladies and gentlemen. I'm too, just going to tell him this not, is fake. Not to get too deep into the personal life, but I started having this kind of tone uh, late middle school and I remember when oh. <laughs> yes and so there was one time where did you seek medical assistance I mean that's pretty early for this deep of a voice no it's just you know people grow up quicker than others right so I remember eighth grade I mean I use this term loosely I was in a relationship dating right but I was calling my girlfriend and her mom answered the phone and before she asked who it was, she told me that I was creeped out. Who is this adult calling to talk to my, talk to my fourteen year old daughter? And then when I said, "Oh, it's Mars," like, "Oh yeah, of course." Oh my god! As the father of a daughter, that is my nightmare. You know, like catching some call from a voice I think to be like in the mid forties or something, asking to talk to her. Jesus Christ! Well, with that in mind, if uh, you do want to find out more about Mark's voice, my own lack of a deep voice, whatever it is, like I said, at where. Huddle is our Twitter account, warriorshuddle.gmail.com is the email account. There's other spots you can find us on, but I won't bore you with them now. With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully we'll see you in a couple weeks.
Good, good.